This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all. Because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. My friends. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. I just don't know if I can ever start a solo episode ever again without doing that. I just can't help myself. Anyway, hi everyone. It's been a while since we've done this, hasn't it? I feel like it's been coming up a lot in my management meetings recently. Like, we need to do more solo stuff. You need to do more solo stuff. People like the Lulu voice note in their ear vibe. And I was like, I like being in their ears too. But the problem is, I always want to help you guys. So I bring the therapists on the podcast because they are qualified and amazing. And they are just, yeah, I mean, they're just like stupendous. Why am I being so posh? Don't understand. They're fucking amazing. And sometimes when I don't have space and slots to bring on all the people that I want, my solo episodes get pushed to the side. And also in total transparency, because that is all you ever get with me. I did think about doing a solo episode at some point in the last two months, but I honestly just realised, like, do you really want to hear me moaning? And I don't mean moaning in the good sense. I mean, like, do you really want to hear me moaning about my life verging on crying? Because there's been a lot of low moments over the past two months, but there have also been some really high moments. So, and sadly, I also don't mean high on drugs. I just mean (laughs) high on life. And today I'm going to tell you about those au natural, low and high moments. And the first thing that I'm going to say is I'm so glad that this is not on video because right now I'm in the United Kingdom. Yes, bitches, I've flown across an ocean because I needed to come home. I needed to be with my dog. I needed to be with my friends and family. And most of all, I needed to be back with my products. When I say that I am like a dehydrated prune, in Mexico that has dreadlocks. If you just imagine like a little dehydrated prune with like some, with like a dreadlock wig on the top of it, that is me. Like, I don't know how these people in Tulum look glamorous because the truth is you're in the sea, right? You're in the sea. Now, I don't look like a mermaid when I'm in the sea, particularly not in Tulum where it is full of seaweed, huge waves, massive tidal rips. Sometimes I think I'm never going to make it back to Tulum and I'm literally going to be in Guatemala when I come out of the water. 
So I'm under the water being thrown all over the place and people in Tulum tell you like, oh, just dive under the wave and let it alchemize everything. Um, so I'm diving under the wave and I'm asking it to alchemize and I don't even know what that means, nor what I'm alchemizing, but I am doing that. And as someone who is a fire sign, a very fiery person who has a very sensitive nervous system, literally cry me a river, I actually hate being cold and I also hate being wet in the ocean sense. And so I haven't historically been an ocean gal my whole life. And actually, when I used to live in LA, I went to see this woman and she was like, for your constitution, like you have to get into the water. It's like really good for you because it like cools you down if you are into all of that vata pitta kapha, blah, blah, blah thing. So actually, that was quite funny. I remember I was like dating this guy and we went to Malibu for the day and I set up this camera and I was like, I'm just going to go in the ocean. And the video is me literally like, honestly, I like put my toe in the ocean and I'm like, Oh, and I keep keep trying to like walk in and you can literally see every cell in my body is like trying to be relaxed and it's just like not working for me. Today's episode is sponsored by Lilybod. Keep listening for your code to get 30% off the entire collection by being a listener of Open House wherever you are based in the world. Lilybod is an Australian designed activewear brand that I've been wearing since 2015. And when I tell you that the pieces from 2015 that I still own still look new, I can guarantee that they work for everything and everyone. And I have 100% faith in this brand. From your healing girl walk to your hit class, from weight training to Pilates, picking the kids up from school or rushing to therapy, or even out for your third iced coffee of the day, even though we know we're only supposed to have one. Lilybod has something for everyone. But what I love most about this brand is that their focus this year is to share the word around how physical health is just one part of the puzzle to feeling your best. They understand that mental health starts from within and I love that they're the brand that supports me as I navigate this beautiful thing called life, whether I'm having a good day, a bad day, or a I need to call my therapist day. Use code OPENHOUSE at checkout for 30% off. Now, back to the main episode. I've made great progress since then. And I'm actually, I've actually learned to love the ocean. And interestingly, this trip around my time in Tulum, because any of you who actually know me, that I've been there since last March and I kind of go there and I spend like one, two, three months and then I come back to the UK for a bit of like stabilization. But yeah, it's definitely been like one of the things that I've really loved this time is like getting to love the ocean, bar the seaweed, which ends up inside my vagina. Like really sorry about the TMI, but like I come out and I'm like, how did you get in there? And the riptides. Anyway, so once you come out the ocean, you have dreadlocks and then you get on a motorbike to drive home. And that means you have more dreadlocks. And then it's really, really sunny. And actually, one of the first things that my dad said to me when I got home this time, we sat down opposite each other on the sofa. And he said to me, what's in between your eyebrows? And I was like, what? And then I put my finger up and I was like, there's nothing there. He was like, oh, there's just like a black line. And I was like, oh, oh, that's just a wrinkle. And my dad was like, oh. I was like, yes, okay, I haven't had Botox or any, anything, any work done in literally five years. And the thing in Tulum is like, you're squinting all the time. You're squinting all the time. So yeah, like these wrinkles, like, that's what's there, dad. And thank you for just deepening my father wound a little bit further. Anyway, I am back in England. I, I went off on a very big tangent there. I'm back in England. And the reason that I'm glad that you can't see me is because I am drenched in product. 
when I say I've drenched the roots of my hair, I've drenched the ends of my hair with this like peptide, with this Olaplex. I don't even use Olaplex. I just found it under the sink and I was like, fuck yes. It says like use a small amount. And I'm like, as I'm like literally putting like half of the thing, like ketchup in my hand, like bam, all over my hair. And as I was doing that, I was realizing that there, I think there was some kind of like warning about how you shouldn't use Olaplex, not very good for you. But I was like, at this point, it is an SOS emergency. And then I'm like drenching my face in every single cream I can find. You name it. I'm putting on the hyaluronic acid, the moisturizer, the serums, the oil. Like I am just mixing it all together. And I'm just saying, bitch, take that, like suck it up. Because yeah, my lips are falling off. Like I don't know if that's vitamin deficiencies or on the airplane. Basically, I think I am just currently a visual representation of what happens to me living in Tulum. Like Tulum is a hard ass experience. Like Tulum, I said this in in the last solo episode, like Tulum is your teacher. She strips you the fuck back like literally takes everything from you, like takes your beauty, takes your products, takes your postal system, takes your shops. Like you can't get post there. You can't get Amazon. You can't get Amazon Prime. You can't get deliveries. You can't, there's no shops in Tulum. Like you can buy literally a $250 caftan or like nothing. And I mean, the first time I went there, I bought all the $250 caftans and then I ruined them all in the washing machine. And I just, I'm not a kind of hand washing $250 caftan gal. So yeah, I literally just wear every single day a humongous oversized t-shirt, a pair of cycling shorts and like some sliders. Anyway, I digress. I'm home. It feels so good. Another thing is I'm just going to let you hear these few seconds of silence. Are you ready? Now to you guys, you're like, I don't want to listen to that silence. Like, why are you giving me silence? To me, that silence is literal gold dust. When I tell you that like I have never appreciated silence more between Tulum being the noisiest country in the world, country, city, town, village, not even sure. I think it's a city. That is bad knowledge for me. Town, it's difficult. You know, I'm sorry, guys, I don't actually answer to that question. It's the noisiest place in the world. And I've never appreciated just being home and like, being able to hear the birds sing outside the windows like it is so beautiful like I'm so grateful for this nature I'm like oh my god and then sorry to my boyfriend listening the second most beautiful thing is that I can actually go to sleep without a humongous snoring man next to me at night and you know what someone one of my friends was like you need to stop talking about his snoring like you're not supposed to criticize a man in public and I actually really do believe that but I can't stop talking about the snoring. I can't stop talking about it. Like it blows my mind how someone can make that much noise and how I am just supposed to sleep next to it. Like, have I signed up for this for the rest of my life? Because like I have just signed up to the worst sleep hygiene on the planet for the rest of my life. I'm honestly not sure how I feel about that. So I'm gonna have to get rich because he needs some kind of snoring device Oh God. Also, this is this is a bad story. But this one time I matched with this guy in New York. Oh my God, this is so bad. I can't believe I'm telling this story. I matched with this guy in New York. He was really sweet. Well, he wasn't actually. He was like, he made a lot of money. He worked in private equity. We got on well. I arrived in New York. He got me the biggest bouquet of flowers delivered to my hotel room. It was literally like $500. I Googled it and I was like, whoa. He literally 
like we went, we went on one date. The vibe, like he was a bit immature and I didn't really vibe with him, but he did have a rooftop in New York where he told me I could go and do yoga, which is so weird because I don't do yoga. So like what kind of like pick me, choose me game was I playing to pretend that I do yoga? Anyway, maybe I was in like my yoga girl era, which I don't think happened. But anyway, he let me into his building. He was like, you can just let the door guard, like let me in, let you in, whatever. This is my apartment number. You can go up to the roof. You can use my apartment. So I went into his apartment and um, yeah, of course I went for like a little look around. I didn't snoop. I didn't touch anything. Like I'm not really a big snooper. I always feel like if you're going to go looking for something, you're going to find it. We can talk more about that later. Anyway, I'll tell you what I did find was a very big Darth Vader sleep apnea machine on the bed. I thought it was a big steam iron to begin with. And I was like, yes, perfect. This guy comes with a steam iron. But then alas, I realized it was a Darth Vader sleep apnea machine. At that point, I was emotionally immature and I got the ick over his sleep apnea machine. Oh my God, I just spat on my laptop. Sorry, laptop. Anyway, so full circle. I'm back in London. I am loaded up on product. It's quiet outside. I am just so happy. I really, really miss my boyfriend, of course. Well, actually, it's been two days. I don't miss him that much. But like, you know, I miss him. But I am so happy to be back. I am so happy to be with my dog. I'm so happy to be with my parents. I think that has been one of my biggest challenges this time around in Tulum has been like, kind of the loneliness. And I think I spoke in the last, I got a hiccup, I think I spoke in the last solo episode about how that was an issue for me. Like I didn't speak the language and I didn't particularly have many friends who who spoke English or spoke English a lot or who weren't drunk and didn't revert back to their native tongue. And the loneliness got really, really bad this time. And I didn't really know if it was loneliness. I mean, I think the problem is, is that like, I was also very sick this time. So the last time I was also sick because I got dengue fever and that was like dangerously sick. This time was more just like, I probably swallowed some shower water and got like a ton of bad bacteria in my gut. Um, And from that moment on, my gut was never, ever the same. Now, I have never, ever been sick from anything not relating to alcohol. Not going to lie. I've been sick from alcohol a good, a good, good couple of times. But I am not a sicky person. I'm also not a particularly sick person. Like I'm sensitive, but I'd say I have a pretty strong constitution. Also trigger warning, if you don't like sick, I'm going to talk about sick because I know there's actually a lot of people out there that hate sick. So if you hate sick, just keep moving for like two minutes. But something in my gut was not strong this time and I honestly think what I've learned from Sarah the potent plant who contributes on these episodes as well is that like the bacteria just sent my gut into like dysbiosis which means there's more um, bad bacteria than there is good bacteria and that can lead to like a whole host of things and then also if you have leaky gut all of these things can just leak out into the body so I basically have not been feeling well and I woke up one morning in the middle of the night, like 4am and I was like, whoa, I feel really sick and I'm never ever sick. So I did not think anything of it. I just thought like, whoa, this is really, really weird. Anyway, next thing I know, I'm like, holy fuck, ran to the bathroom, literally just made it to the toilet, spewed everywhere, at which point my boyfriend comes hurtling in behind me. 
And I, you know, it's that moment where you're like, get out, but also you're like, help me. And in that moment, you don't really know, like, do I want him close? Do I want him seeing this? But also I'm like, hair tie. I need a hair tie. Like as I start vomiting again. Anyway, that was the beginning of like three days of being very, very sick. And I would say just like from that point onwards, I was just never quite right. I would have really bad stomach cramps. I'd have really bad tummy, if you get what I mean. Sometimes I need to be near a bathroom. So that kind of sucked. And yeah, I, I, I'm I definitely feeling a bit better, but I wouldn't say I'm 100% normal. Now, the problem with Tulum also is like, you can't get your supplements there. You can't get them posted, delivered. A lot of them get like incinerated at customs. And I've tried, like, trust me, I've tried. Um, and all they have is like a GNC, which are like this, the kind of supplements that I don't want to take. Like there's a lot of mass-produced, pre-produced stuff that has a lot of shit in it that I personally don't want to put in my body, which is ironic because I've put Mexican shower water in my body. So at this point, like, you know, really should be like taking what I can get. But yeah, so that kind of wasn't great. And now I understand about like the root cause of depression. And I understand about how gut dysbiosis and leaky gut and neurotransmitter imbalances, many of which like are connected to your gut, the gut-brain axis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera how it's all connected. The first part of the jigsaw of feeling low this time around was like the health. Like I was like, this must be coming from my gut. Now, the second part, like I said, is the loneliness. And initially I just kind of thought like, oh, I must just be a little bit depressed because of my gut. And then as time went on, I started to like feel into this feeling a little bit more. And I think that often we try to avoid the feelings. We stay high level. We we pick on what we think it is. Oh, I'm anxious. Oh, I'm depressed. Like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Without ever actually like really asking what is going on below the surface. And then I just found myself again on my own a lot. And I would say I have like two to four friends in Tulum. Like that's quite sad. <laughs> two to four friends. Anyway, one of them left. And I was like, oh, yeah, she left and went back to Paris. The other one, the other one that I'm really close to, she went to Costa Rica just on holiday. And the third one went to Miami on holiday. So I was like really there on my own, at which point I think like the loneliness started to hit. And the thing is, is like, I find it really hard to keep up with my phone when I'm in Tulum, like, because it's so hard to message everyone in London, kind of having the same conversations, being like, how are you? This is what's going on with me. I feel like I'm repeating myself 700 times and I'm really good for the first few weeks of doing that. But then after that, like it, it kind of, yeah, it gets a bit difficult and like the communication starts to tail off. So then I feel disconnected from home and then I feel disconnected in Tulum. Um, and the only person that I feel connected to is my boyfriend. And I am not one for codependency. Like I really understand the importance of having connections. Like the more and more I learn in this space, I actually realize that like connections are everything. Connections regulate our nervous system. Connection Connections change generations. Like they change the health of generations, the psychology of generations. But so many of us are conditioned to find true connection so insanely daunting that we stay close to what we know and what is safe and we don't look to make new connections or really like dig into connections when they start to fade. Now, what I thought was really interesting because I started to like research into loneliness, which 
is so typical of me. Like, oh, we've got a problem. Let's rationally solve it rather than like rationally feel it and process it, even though I'm so much better at that now. But I started to research into it and I found all of this info. I listened to all of these podcasts whilst I was like crying. And I'm actually going to do a solo episode on it at some point. I mean, not a solo episode, maybe like with a therapist or maybe a longer solo episode of everything I learned because I made all of these notes about all of the studies. I just need to work out when I do that. As I always say, I wish I could literally do three episodes a week because then I'd vaguely get through most of the things that I want to share with you. But what I learned is that we need or we need like, basically, there are three dimensions of loneliness and we need three types of relationships. So it's not about the number of relationships we have. It's about the types of relationships we have. And I'm going to tell you what they are, because I think you can probably reflect on them in your own life and be like, hey, how am I doing in these three categories? So the first one is like, intimate relationships like this is the longing for a very very close confident confident a confidant or an intimate partner so basically says where you have a deep mutual bond of affection and trust now I think for a lot of people if you have a romantic partner they will come into this section and so I tick the box on this like I am with a beautiful man I can share whatever emotion I have I cry, I talk. I was about to say I shout, but honestly, I don't shout. Like I didn't shout once the whole two months I was there. We didn't have any conflict. I I like still really can't believe it that I'm in a healthy relationship. I'm like, this is weird. Anyway, that is relationship one, the intimate. Relationship type two is the relational. So this is the quality friendship, the social companionship and the support. So basically, this is your friendship, right? But what they say in all three of these relationships, but that I think particularly shows up in this section, is that amongst all three of these dimensions, it doesn't matter if you have connections. What matters is, are you showing up as your real you? And I think that is where my problem lies. Now I'm going to come back to point two, which is the second dimension of loneliness is relational. So these quality friendships, but I'm going to quickly go into three. The third dimension of loneliness is collective loneliness. So we have a hunger for a network of people who share a similar purpose. So you've got your intimate, which is more like your one-on-one. You've got your relational, which is more like your friendships and your networks. And then your collective, which is like a bigger network of people who really share your similar purpose. And what matters is, are you showing up as your real you? Now, for me, I do feel like I have this more than ever. Like, I don't have hobbies per se. Like, I definitely miss my community, like, at the gym, for example, because I go to the gym on my own in Tulum. But I would say that with Open House, I feel like I'm part of something more than I've ever been like our space the house there are 360 don't quote me on that people in there they all know that at any point they can come into that chat and they can say guys I need your fucking help or guys I'm having a fucking meltdown or whatever it is like they can say it you know we talk about everything in there so I know that I have that network so I don't necessarily I mean it is an online network and I do think that part of the problem with this loneliness spectrum is that so many of these connections across all three sectors are happening online. We'll come to that when I go back to point two. 
But yeah, so I have this network. I do think I would probably feel even happier if I could meet with the people in the house in person so we can start to build these like I mean they are real connections like very real and I have very beautiful and connected relationships with people who I know they care about me and vice versa but I would love to develop those into like real friendships if that makes sense where I think you have to meet in like offline to make that happen anyway so out of those three dimensions I have the intimate I would also say that my mum comes in the intimate category which is like I tell her everything like I can go to her she'll pick up the phone she'll just know instantly on FaceTime she'll be like oh darling what's wrong because I am so expressive with my eyes and also apparently my forehead according to my father thinking I have big big wrinkles actually a Botox woman did tell me that I'm very expressive with my face I was like fuck that is not gonna bode well Gwyneth Paltrow is not expressive with her face anyway my mum yeah she can see in my eyes like I'm gonna cry and I just cry straight away because I don't know about you but like if I'm on the brink of tears, I cannot hold it in. I can't hold it in. So yeah, I feel like I have those intimate relationships. I feel like I have the connective, like collective relationship, which is point three. Now where I think I struggle is point two, the quality friendships, social companionships and support. And I think that is because I am stuck between a rock and a hard place. The rock is that my best friends in London are in London. So they are a six hour time zone away, however many thousands of miles through devices. Most of them are married. If not married, they are with or in very serious relationships. If not with children, I would say 90% of them own a property with their partner and 90% of them are, are not going to go to Mexico on holiday, fall in love with a Mexican man and do a 180 on their whole life and never come home. So my OGs, right, they're back in London. And then I think the problem is that my new Gs, which is not a phrase, they're in Tulum, but also some of them have left. So I think I'm missing this quality friendship, social companion and like support in Tulum. Now, whizzing back to the first point that I said about you can fail any of these categories if you are not able to be the real you. And I think that that is one of the biggest challenges I've faced in my whole life. And I'm still unpacking it in therapy, which is this mask I feel like I present to the world. Now, anyone that thinks they might be neurodivergent, neurospicy, ADHD, autistic, you will understand this concept of the mask, the mask that you present to the world in order to fit in. But you don't have to be neurodivergent to have a mask. I think so many of us, whether it's for validation, whether it's for social anxiety, whether it's for low self-esteem, low self-confidence, or even to have increased self-confidence and increased self-esteem, I think we put on a mask of how we think we should be in this world you know you meet someone you're so smiley you put on the best version of you it's the same in the dating world right you put this mask forward but the truth is is like when you're living behind a mask you are being inauthentic to your truth to your heart to the feelings that you are feeling and if you ever put a smile on your face and you say hi I'm good how are you and you're not good, that is a disconnect. You are suppressing your truth. 
And I think that that is what I have been doing a lot of the time in Tulum because you meet new people. I'm obviously not, they're obviously not going to be like, how are you, babe? And I'm going to be like, I am so fucking homesick. I miss my dog so much. I literally had diarrhea the whole time. And, <laughs> you know, whatever, X, Y, Z. So, of course, you say, I'm good. How are you? So, I feel like that has been difficult for me. It's like, I can't be myself with my OGs because, like, everything is done via WhatsApp. And I also don't feel like I can be myself with my new Gs. I've got to stop saying that because it's difficult. I don't know people well enough. Like you're not probably going to break down on the first date, are you? You know, I am all for authenticity and vulnerability. I do think I do it a lot more with these people that I'm meeting, but there's still a fine line between like holding your shit together to begin with before you, you know, you don't want to trauma dump on someone, but also you don't know if they're a safe space for you to share your story. Like you don't get access to me just by being around me. Like I need to feel safe with you. And I think we we should all be like that. So yeah, I think I have two more points on this. So the first one is like, I do actually have one friend like that in Tulum and we have developed a very special friendship, which is good definitely makes me feel less lonely definitely makes me feel cared for she has done a lot of work she's very open she's very direct nothing is off the table and she shares how she feels whatever comes up and she has taught me that I'm in a space with her to be able to do that too so we've had a couple of conversations where it's like something will have happened or I will have said something like I made a joke about her girlfriend once and she basically was like, I'd like to talk to you about something like you made that joke. And I just felt like it was so unfair. And, you know, you you don't know what she's gone through and you shouldn't judge. And you know more than anyone not to generalize. And I was like, I am so sorry. I honestly just thought the joke was fucking funny because it was funny. But that doesn't mean I should have made it. And so, yeah, like, you know, we'll have conversations like that. And so I think a really beautiful turning point for me is like when I really was l- really low she called me and like the old Louise would have been like, fuck no, like my coping mechanism is social isolation. Like as a kid, I would be in my bedroom. I would be on MSN. I would be reading a book. I would not be in the family unit because for whatever reason, the family unit stressed me out subconsciously so much. I felt on the outside of it. I felt rejected. I felt like the black sheep of the family. I felt like my brother was the preferred child. I felt like my parents, you know, I could tell that they had conflict going on between them. So I think I learned from a young age, like I'm just going to remove myself from this situation. And I think that's one of my biggest problems is like I shut down. So how does that work again with the OGs who are so far away on different time zones? I don't share how I feel because I know that I need to. And actually, sometimes I do say, I need to send you a voice note telling you what's going on because I know that I need to do this. I know I need connection. I know I need to share this with you. So I'm learning and I'm definitely growing which I think is beautiful but yeah she called me and I just broke down I was like I'm really not okay I think I'm depressed I don't know if it's my gut I don't know if it's I'm homesick I don't know if I'm lonely and it just felt so beautiful to be able to tell her and I actually think that that was like a turning point for me I also think sometimes when you uh, and you guys know I'm not I'm not big into manifesting and I always say I'm going to do this on another episode because it needs it needs proper time to talk about it but also I don't want to like publicly slate 
the word of manifesting on a public podcast with like a good number of people listening to it because I love whatever works for you if it works for you that's amazing I do just think like the way it's been taken on and commodified and commercialized does have challenges and issues and there's a lot of spiritual bypassing going on with it but I do communicate with God with the universe whoever it is like sometimes I will talk to someone I don't know who the fuck it is and I'm like I'm really lonely like please like I'm calling in friends that are aligned with me that are in the same stage of life as me that get me that I can be great friends with and what happened after that literally the next week an incredible girl arrived in Tulum who was like so my vibe so on my wavelength we never met before the last time she was here but I met some of her friends she's a neuronutritionist she's from America honestly I find like the UK US like culture like that's yeah I just I just vibe if you're from America I'm gonna fucking vibe with you I mean I'm gonna vibe with you wherever you're from but like there's particularly something about like me and Americans I have good American energy anyway she arrived in town and like it just was so good to spend some time with her and the conversations were so interesting and she's like a big expander and she's like so driven and yeah travels all around the world and blah blah blah. so she was great And then I also bumped into like another friend who we've met once or twice in Tulum over the year and the last year and a half, but we've never actually hung out. And the universe brought her to me. We bumped into each other. If you don't believe into that, then we just bumped into each other without anyone setting it up. And we spent the last two and a half hours like of the day as the sun was going down, just like talking. And it was so amazing. And do you know, do you want to know the craziest thing? The guy that I dated before my boyfriend, she, we found out that she was basically dating him either at the same time or like shortly after. And if I didn't need a fucking confirmation that I made the right decision in my goddamn relationship, like I know in every cell of my body that I did, like I don't need confirmation. But just that moment, it was just like, it just was like, fuck boys are not going to change. The emotionally unavailable men and women, they are not going to change. Like this guy, he's 40 whatever. He's still running around the world. He's never in one place for more than two months. He told me once he has a girl in every city. He's non-committal. He's charismatic. He's incredible. And she said she had the same experience with him. Was so like inspirational and chemistry and passion and oh my God. And then he just fucking ghosted her. He just left the country. He left the country and went to Europe. Anyway, if anyone's listening to this wondering, like, are they going to change? Are they going to change? Like, I want you to know that there's about 5% of the emotionally unavailable individuals that are going to change. And that is because for that 5%, it's going to get so goddamn painful that they're going to realize when they lose person after person time and time again, that they need to do something differently because they are the problem. But I would not rely on that happening anytime soon so yeah the universe like not only delivered me a friend and we had like such a nice chat but the universe also delivered me a reminder that like you made good decisions girl and everything is okay so yeah I had this like really good week the last time I was in Tulum and I just felt like really much much happier to the point that I was like actually a little bit sad to leave And I felt like that was so beautiful. I was like, okay, this is great. I'm moving in the right direction. Everything is good. But I also want to say that like at the same time as all of this, like I have a deep trust, a deep belief 
that I'm in the right place, that I'm in the right place, that I'm in the right relationship, that I am exactly where the world wants me to be right now. And if I'm supposed to be somewhere else, the universe is going to sort that out. The universe is going to make like fix it, mix it, whatever you want to say. It's going to work out just as it's meant to. So I feel good. What didn't feel quite so good was when I came back and I went on a dog walk with my dad straight away. He was like, do you think you should get your eggs frozen? And I was like, wow, like I just got off a plane where I only slept for two hours. This is like quite a stressful conversation to have with me right now. And also like, I don't have any fear about that. But you having fear about it makes me pick up your fear. And now you're giving me fear, which is like really stressful because I don't want to live in a fear state. Anyway, we'll talk about kids another time. But yeah, the last week or so was good. Things are going really well with work. There's a lot of like really exciting things in the pipeline. I'm trying to get a sponsor for the podcast because like there's a lot of production costs each month that I have been paying for like three years now. So that's like a lot of money if you add it up. So I want to get a sponsor. I want to also open up like the subscription again for the ad-free episodes in case you guys don't want to listen to them. And I also want to just start doing some brand partnerships like with brands that I really, really love. So work is going well um, and I'm excited. I'm really excited for the future. So all is good. Now, the other thing that was like not so good bar the loneliness was also my living situation, which was that I had a neighbor next door in this like $3 million um, apartment who literally had one hobby. That hobby was listening to reggaeton and techno and taking drugs. And you guys know that those are the last two things that I'm ever going to do. I hate techno so much. And actually, this is quite a sad story, just tying in techno to loneliness. My boyfriend and I, we went to this party in the jungle. It was someone's birthday. It was on the beach. And he was like, my best friends are coming from Mexico City. I really want you to meet them. And I was like, of course, babe, we've been together for over a year now. Like, I haven't met them. Of course, I'll meet them. So we went there, but I said to him, like, do you think we should take two mopeds? Because I like to be able to leave whenever. Like, that's a big thing about me is like, I don't drink and I can party, but like, I want to be able to leave whenever. I don't want to be tied into anything. I like to just be in control so I can just bounce, right? He was like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I think we'll, I think we'll just, we'll just leave together and I won't stay too late. Okay, so we arrive at like two. By 8 p.m., I've spoken to everyone at the party, right? And at this point, drugs are starting, the alcohol starting, the getting drunk and only speaking in Spanish is starting, and the techno is starting. And I tried to do it, guys. I tried, but like, trust me, and I can dance. I can dance to anything, but I cannot dance to techno. I don't want to dance to techno. My nervous system hates techno. Everything about me hates techno. Like, it is the worst like you want to pay play me like sean paul or like drake i will dance on that beach all fucking night i will be there when the sun okay maybe not when the sun rises but you know potentially when the sun rises anyway i literally was like okay i want my boyfriend to have a really good time he's here with some of the closest people in his life so i'm gonna let him stay on the dance floor and i'm gonna sneak off so i kind of walked around and i literally spoken to everyone So I was like, I'm just going to go and sit on the beach. So I went and sat on the beach. It's pitch black by this point. And I just cried. Like in that moment, I feel like the loneliness again was like triggered, which was like the the overwhelming feeling I had was like, is this is not my life. This is not my life. And this is never going to be my life. 
And I think the hardest thing is that I am trying so hard to surrender for this to be my life. But the truth is, is like, I just don't know if it is. And I think that's okay. And I think my boyfriend's very aware of that. Like, I think I've been saying that from the beginning. But in that moment, it just was like, I could feel it somatically in my body. I felt sad and I was crying and it just like was a really sad experience for me. So I guess that brings me on to what next. And I asked you guys what you wanted to know about. And a lot of you said like, what's the plan? Like, are you going to move in with your boyfriend? Like, would you ever leave Tulum? Is he going to come to Europe? Et cetera, et cetera. Now, the first thing is I live with my boyfriend. I've actually lived with my boyfriend from basically the first week that we were dating. Now, that is not something I would ever, ever advise. And you know I wouldn't because like big fan of pacing over here. But when I met this guy, I just thought it was a holiday romance. Like I was just gonna be with him for like two weeks and then I was gonna leave. So we just spent a lot of time and he would just stay every night and we'd just be together because we wanted to maximize the time together. Then as things kind of went on, this is actually quite a funny story. As things went on, obviously we just got into a relationship and so he was like do you want to come and stay at my house I was like yes I do until I arrived he lives lived actually lived now he lived in a eco house an eco resort in Tulum which is an apartment block that doesn't have windows it has no glass and it has no air conditioning So when I tell you that the first time I ever slept there, I'm in bed. He has a cat, right? You all know that I've, we've adopted a cat as well. That was a whole nother thing. We adopted two cats and one of them died and it was so intense and it brought up so much emotion for me. And I was there like bottle feeding this kitten, both kittens every two hours. My boyfriend, he's the cat guy. Like also can't believe I'm dating a guy that's a cat guy. Like if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd literally be like, ick, but I actually love it. It's really sweet. Anyway, he went to work. I was like, wow, I am a single mother with these two cats and one of them is dying. I'd be like sat on the floor, like crying, bottle feeding them, being like, please survive. Because that was a whole different thing. Anyway, when I first met my boyfriend, I was actually allergic to cats. Like the allergy is kind of gone because I don't really know. I guess my body's got used to it. But the first night that I stayed in his eco resort... I had a cat climbing all over me. There were mosquitoes in the bedroom because there's no glass in the windows. And it was 40 fucking degrees with no air conditioning. But what do they have? They have an eco air conditioning unit, which is this big, ugly, humongous box that they pour water in and you press on. And when I say that I might as well have had my head inside a washing machine... Or a wind machine. Like, I have never experienced something so loud. So I am lying there. I am slapping myself every five and a half minutes because I'm being bitten. I've got blood trickling out of my mosquito bites. I've got my eyes itching and streaming. I have a cat that is, like, lying in the middle of me and my boyfriend. I have my head in a wind machine. It's also so fucking windy that the sheet is, like, flying off the bed. And then, on top of that, I have my boyfriend snoring next to me. I mean, I was in hell hell on earth and in that moment I was like this relationship is never gonna work I'm never ever staying in this house ever again and I honestly wanted to get up at four in the morning and go and check into a hotel but the thing about Tulum is that like you can't really get on a moped at 4am drive kind of through the jungle which is like where he was living and you know in your oversized t-shirts your granny pants and your sliders like 
It's not really advisable. So yeah, that was one of the worst nights of my life. And so after that, I said to my boyfriend, like, I love you. I don't think we were saying I love you at that point, but hypothetically, I love you, but I'm never doing that again. So I am renting my own apartment. Now, he came and lived with me in that apartment because like, obviously, eco resort versus like high end apartment with his bougie girlfriend. We moved into this like amazing place. But the party, the party guy next door, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Honestly, I felt like I needed to be admitted to a mental asylum. I was like on the floor, like rocking back and forth because the noise was so loud and I couldn't, like I could not handle it. I was like, this is too much for me. Like I can't live in this place. Like, and then you call the police and then they just pay the police off. So everyone won in this situation, apart from me. My boyfriend also lost in this situation because he has me rocking back and forward in the corner, probably thinking like, oh my God, take me back to my eco resort. Anyway, so the noise was also a lot. It's just been a a very intense experience. But like I said, I also had some really, really beautiful moments this time. Like being in nature was so grateful for the beach and the ocean and the sun. And like, I also had a lot of moments where I was like, one day I'm not going to live here. One day I'm not going to live here. And I'm going to say to my friends, to my children, if I have them, to you guys, like, do you remember... Do you remember that time that I used to live in Mexico? Isn't that fucking crazy that I used to live in Mexico? Like, that is seriously cool. Like, I am in my 30s. Everyone else is married with babies. And I am out here dating this sexy fucking Mexican man that treats me like a queen. Like, I've just got to go with it for now. But the question that you wanted, the question that you wanted to know the answer to is what comes next? And I'm going to tell you. Now I'm back in the UK for like literally two weeks. So that's not a very long time when you think about it. And I also find like being home stressful because it becomes like literally like a jigsaw of trying to put so many people in my diary in different places with travel time because I also don't live in London anymore. You guys need to remember that I'm out in the home counties. Like I'm in Surrey. I have to drive into London, get the train into London. There's a train strike, et cetera, et cetera. So being back isn't as easy as being like, hey, I'm just flying back into my house in London. It's like, no, like I have to travel into London. So being back is tricky because yeah, it's just not as easy as as I make it out. Like, oh, I'm flying back. I'm going to see everyone. No, it's like I have to organize so much. So that's kind of difficult. My parents are going away. I'm looking after the dog. I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to spend some quality time with her already. We're like walking every day. We're cuddling all the time. She's sleeping with me. It is heaven. Anyway, so I'm going to go back and then I kind of think I'm actually going to be in Tulum like for the rest of the summer, but I'm going to probably come back in July. I'm probably going to come back in September, maybe do some like Euro trips then. But the really sad thing is that my boyfriend can't come with me because he has this job where like they just don't let him leave, <laughs> basically. And they definitely don't let him work remotely because like it's a hotel. You have to be at the hotel. Like shit's going down. If you've watched White Lotus, which I loved so much, was literally singing the the theme song for like weeks on end. We always laugh because like it's like that. Some of the stuff that happens in the hotel is so funny. The good thing is I do think he's going to come in September because it's like the lowest of the low season. So yes, to the people that were asking, we do live together. He's now moved out of his house. He's fully in my house. Well, our house. We're sharing it now. We're both contributing to the rent, which is great. 
because Tulum is expensive as fuck. But he still thinks I'm bougie. Like he, like we're living in this, like we, we moved out of that other house because it was so expensive and like I'm coming home and I just like, I don't want to be paying a lot of money for something when I'm not in it. Anyway, I have found my dream house. Like I spend all my time in these like Facebook groups for Tulum and it is the bane of my life. Like you will have seen how many times we've moved house over the last year. Like we change apartments all the time because the first few apartments that we went for, they were not a vibe. My boyfriend, I will literally like put him in it here, which is that he went to look at one apartment when I was in the UK and like it had a view out onto another building, which was someone else's apartment. I was like, are you like literally joking? Like our view is someone's bedroom. Like that is no bueno. Anyway, this new apartment that I found, it is such a vibe. It's expensive, but not too expensive. And it's actually quite a funny story. So we arrived to go and look at this and I had some intuitive feeling that like I needed to go and look at it. And the good thing about my very wise Tulum-based boyfriend is that like, if you say, honey, I've got an intuitive feeling about something, he doesn't bat an eyelid. He's like, okay, let's go. So we arrived and this really cute girl came out and she like comes up to me and I go to put my hand out to like shake her hand right because we've never met before she goes to hug me and I was like oh fuck like this is awkward so obviously I go to hug her big hugger fine with hugging my hand just goes like straight into her tits and I'm like sorry anyway we go inside and she's like yeah me and my girlfriend live here like she she has her closet in this like room and we sleep in that room so I'm like okay okay you are like girlfriend girlfriend not like when you refer to a female friend as a girlfriend Anyway, she kept staring at my boyfriend. I was like, bitch, if you're a lesbian, why are you staring at him and not me? (laughs) Anyway, of course, I know she could have been bisexual and he is beautiful. So why wouldn't you? Like, I check him out constantly. But also, why are you not looking at me? And then I looked down and I realized, like, she exactly is not looking at me because remember the prune with the dreadlocks reference? Yeah, that was me. So I was like, okay, honey. You can just ogle at him all you want, but like, please just know he's mine. And like right now, I'm not up for sharing him. So I found this house and it's heaven, but she wants me to take it for six months, which will take it to like November. Now I said to my boyfriend in March of last year, like I want us potentially to be looking towards the future by September of this year. I don't mean future in terms of like house, kids, like that is not the future we're concerned with. And actually we are just so happy and it's so nice to like just take everything day by day and it's just so refreshing. Like we are not thinking about marriage, we are not thinking about kids, like there is no pressure. We are just like enjoying life, which I think is really beautiful, said every avoidant man ever. We've all, we've all heard that before, haven't we? But yeah, it's getting to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this whole Tulum, the UK, Tulum, the UK, back and forth forever, particularly as the flights are so expensive. Like going back and forth, you got the time zone, you got the jet lag, like little old sensitive me, like the first few days I find really, really hard. I find it hard to go to sleep. I find it hard to wake up. Literally, I don't wake up until 4pm. Like I'm not me until 4pm. So that's not really a vibe. But yeah, so I think we are probably going to extend that little September date of making a plan probably through to January. If we take this six-month apartment, it'll take us through to November. Then I will come back to the UK again, spend some time with the family and the dog. And then I think we're going to go back to my parents' house in South Africa. We've not been there for years. So again, my boyfriend probably won't be able to join us unless he's quit his job at that point because that is like high, high, high season. But yeah, by that point... 
I think we'll be looking to the future. So, you know, if we decide that a move is on the cards, I think we're looking at Barcelona, Madrid, maybe Portugal. So, yeah, I don't really know. Like, we also looked at Mexico City. I mean, that's where he is from originally. It's his home. He thinks I will love it there. It's much more like city. But I don't really know. Again, it's the being really far away from home and like the time zone thing. Also, again, like I said, I have a challenge with taking him out of this life that he's in. Like he will FaceTime me and he'll be like, oh, he'll pick up and he'll be like, babe, I can't talk right now. And he'll literally like pick up like a tiny baby turtle and he will be like hatching a baby turtle or like, oh, I'm just taking the baby turtles to the ocean or like, oh, this bat just like fell out of the bat nest. So I'm just like helping the baby bat. Or do you remember that one time when he was like, oh, there's a crocodile on the beach? I'm like, if you think that you're going to get any of this nature high in London, like you are not. And I think it like, you know, jokes aside, it comes back to this point of like, I am taking him out of his life and he's taking me out of his life. So there is like a big challenge in our relationship, which is like working out how we bridge that gap and what that looks like and who compromises and if anyone sacrifices because I never want him to sacrifice. I just want him to be happy. I just want this man to be happy. I love him so much. He is such a good person. He's gone through some hardship in his life. Like I just want him to be happy. And sometimes I feel like that's kind of when you know that it's really love, which is like whatever your happiness looks like, like I'm going to work around that. And I'm going to try and see if I can just continue to make you happy. Now, he says that he'll come anywhere. He doesn't care. But I'm like, okay, babe, but there's no baby turtles in London, just so you know. So I guess this is your daily reminder that like, if you don't have everything figured out, like neither do I. And I think there's just something really beautiful about learning to trust and learning to surrender and learning to be okay with the discomfort and not only to be okay with it, but to kind of be exhilarated by it and be like anything could happen at any moment like I met this dude on a beach in Mexico like in that moment before I met him did I know that my whole life was going to change no neither do you guys like you have no idea what is going to happen and we want to control everything we want to control every relationship every situation we want control we need control like we want to control the narrative we want to control the people around us we want to control our job we want to control our income the food we put in our mouth our body everything but the truth is is like i'm learning that that control is not the answer and that's coming from a control freak over here and i've also learned that like control is not the answer to a relaxed nervous system Now, I also understand that uncertainty is not either. So you need to kind of find this mid ground where you're pretty content with your life and how it's going and you feel like it's vaguely moving in the right direction. And if you have that, I think prioritizing contentment over control is so beautiful. And I think that's my goal for the rest of the year is to focus on contentment over control. And yeah, I think the next few months are going to be great. My best friend's coming to visit me in Mexico when I go back. I'm also going to see another friend in Greece. You know, I don't really know what else is going to happen other than those plans. And I don't know what's going to happen thereafter. So if you're listening to this and you really don't know what lies ahead, maybe you're single and you're looking for that person. Maybe you're in a relationship and you don't know what comes next or you don't know if they're the right person or, you know, maybe you're married and again, you're in a different part of life to someone else or you're looking to change your life or change the dynamics in your relationship. I just want you to know that 
no one has it together. Like, I just want you to know that it's okay. And in those moments when you haven't got a fucking clue what's going on, just think of me. We've just got to navigate life together, dealing with the punches and just finding a little bit of beauty in between each of those punches. And right now I'm experiencing one of those moments of beauty and one of those moments of contentment, which is that I'm sat here in this huge t-shirt covered in face masks, covered in hair masks with my dog next to me, with my childhood teddy next to me and my family home. And the birds are singing outside the window and it's 8.30 p.m. and it's still light outside. Summer is coming and I'm just so grateful for these moments. So I'm just going to keep adventuring and trying to find some more moments like this, even if I have no idea what lies ahead. So I hope that was a fun life update for you. I was also going to tell you about getting friend dumped because that happened whilst I was away. And that really, really upset me in Tulum. I think that tied into the loneliness piece as well. But, you know, maybe today wasn't the right time for that story because, like, I just forgot to talk about it totally. Um, Because it was also, my interestingly, my ex-boyfriend's sister. So that was a juicy story for you. Um, And I was very, very sad about it. But now's not the time. I'm talking about my ex-boyfriend. I know you guys want to know, did I ever text him back? I did not. Um, But I have actually been thinking about texting him back when I'm in the UK. Like, I felt like what he gave me was the end piece to the jigsaw. It was like the piece of the jigsaw puzzle that you lose down the back of the sofa and the puzzle's done. It's 99% done. You don't need that puzzle piece to move forward. You can see the whole vision. You can see the image. You can see everything. You can see the work you've put in. You can see the outcome. You can see why that puzzle turned out that way and why all those pieces had to go together for it to look the way it did. I had met that point of acceptance with that relationship. But that text, that email that he sent me, it was like that final piece of the puzzle. It closed everything for me energetically, emotionally, I just truly feel like he allowed me to put that jigsaw puzzle back in the box and back on the shelf. But I'm just wondering if there is a final word from me, which is to thank him from that piece. Thank him for that piece of the jigsaw. Thank him for our time together. And then just put that jigsaw back in the loft, back in the attic, back in the cellar forever. So I'll keep you updated on that. I don't know. Realistically, I have absolutely no time when I'm back. So I really don't know how I would fit that in. But I thought that's probably quite a nice little, quite a nice little anecdote to end with. Um, And I hope that you guys are doing okay with your own jigsaw. Anyway, this has gone on for so long. I love you so much. Let me know if you enjoyed this. If you've got any more questions for me to answer, maybe it will help me get back on a solo episode sometime soon. And most of all, I fucking love ya.